With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? We are glad to have you back for another edition of the Glory UGA podcast on Dog Sports Radio, a V-Sport O channel. I'm Tyler, and I've got my co-host Curtis on the other end of the line. You can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA, or you can email us with any questions or thoughts that you may have at Glory UGA podcast at gmail.com. We always love hearing your thoughts, and we definitely welcome the interaction with all you guys. Um, you know this. If you, if you interact with us on Twitter, you know that we enjoy it, so feel free to hit us up anytime you want. Uh, before we get into the show today, we are what we're going to do is we're basically going to recap the, the basketball situation, the game over the weekend on Saturday that was pretty dreadful, and where we stand going into the SEC tournament. So we'll get to that in just a minute, but... I don't know about you, Kurt. I think we, I think it's exciting. We have some pretty exciting news to share with you guys today. Uh, so let's get, let's explain what kind of what's going on with the show right now. I want to keep you guys in the loop here. So in addition to our regular role on Dog Sports Radio, our show is now officially up on iTunes. Uh, all the shows that are posted on Dog Sports Radio will also be housed on iTunes. Uh, we hope this might be easier for some of you to access and listen to the show while you're uh, at the gym running or, I mean, just maybe listening in the car, listening at home, wherever it is that you listen to the show. Uh, we, and also, hopefully it will be easier for you if you miss a show or two. If you, go, if you try to access the show on Dog Sports Radio, sometimes you got to go back and filter th- through all the other shows and it might take a second or two. Not the end of the world, but it might take you a little time to find the show. But if you check it out on iTunes, uh, it'll, have, it'll be curated perfectly just for our feed, so everything will be right there. For you guys, hopefully a little easier to access. And also, beginning this week, we are going to also begin recording and posting iTunes exclusive shows that cannot be accessed from anywhere but iTunes. So let me give you a little background on this. And some of you might be wondering why would we put shows, some shows exclusively on iTunes. So the reason for that is putting the show on iTunes, what it does is it gives us a little more flexibility, a little more freedom in terms of the structure and the content of the show. And it'll hopefully help us expand the show so that we can bring you, uh, all of our loyal listeners out there, even more of the content you really want to hear. It's Guys, it's still very much a work in progress, still new to this, We're trying to figure, really figure this out on our own. But we do have big plans for the show over the course of the next year. And getting up and running on iTunes is basically like phase one of that plan. Uh, we absolutely value each and every one of you out there that listen to the show. We, we say it all the time, we would not have a show if it wasn't for you guys. So we definitely value all of you out there. And if you enjoyed the show, we would sincerely, sincerely appreciate you going to the iTunes podcast page, search for Glory UGA, and subscribe to our show so that all the latest shows are downloaded straight to your iTunes feed. Now, of course, this doesn't apply to you if you don't have um, an Apple account and iPhone, so on and so forth. But if you do, it would greatly help us out. Hopefully, that will make it more seamless for you guys to listen to the show. It will also help us get launched on iTunes so that we can expand the show and not just continue to bring you the same content that we have produced over the past few years, but ideally help us expand and improve that content with interviews and an increased number of episodes. Uh, it might also uh, help you guys out a little bit, like I said, to have all of our shows in one spot. So you don't have to scroll through uh, Dog, Sports Radio to, Dog Sports Radio to find everything. Um, but on Friday, 
we are going to have this Friday, we're going to have our very first iTunes exclusive show. And our plan is to make these iTunes exclusives fun and kind of a different type of show for you guys. So if you want to have access to that show, you are going to need to make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Glory UGA. And on top of that, if you like the show, or even if you don't like the show, like if you hate it and really just want your voice to be heard, like that's cool too. But either way, we would greatly appreciate it if you would not only subscribe to the show on iTunes, but also give us a review as well. It doesn't have to be much, but anything helps. So I know that takes a little bit of your time, um, but if you have just a second or two to subscribe and review us on iTunes, guys, that would be tremendous. It would really help us out and kind of help the show get to the point we want to get it to. So that is it for the big announcement. We'll mention that again and kind of give you some more news as uh, it comes up. So definitely just want to kind of keep you guys up to date in the loop with what's going on with the show. But on today's show, as I said at the outset, we are going to recap the disappointing end of the basketball regular season and preview our SEC tournament draw. So I guess let's start with that ugly loss on the road at Arkansas on Saturday, which brought, uh, I guess, Kirk, could you even call it late season momentum? Do we have a little bit of late season momentum there? Um, That really stunts it, if anything. Um, you know, even J.J. had a good game, but I think the biggest thing that bothered me was our lack of defense on that game. Yeah, J.J. got a little bit of foul trouble, but if we had played better defense, it wouldn't have been as ugly, and I think by the end of the season, your defense should not be your problem. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, we might have had a little bit of momentum coming in that game. Uh, I guess if you can even call it that. I mean, we we had a series of razor-thin wins against, I mean, really, let's be real, the, the dregs of the conference. Uh, so that loss to Arkansas brought all that to a definitive halt. Uh, we were on Joe Lenardi's next four out list coming into the game. But, I mean, after that lackluster sh- showing, are we even in the conversation anymore? No, I think you're looking at us having to probably win the SEC tournament to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but what what really happened in Fayetteville? I mean, what the hell happened in Fayetteville? Was it just defense? Like, it was, it was that second half especially was just, like, mind-numbing to watch. What was it? I think the one thing that really bothered me was just there's a lack of lack of communication on defense and then on offense, it just there was no ball movement whatsoever. Um, we were just settling for too many shots. Um, you know, one thing that's it, the last couple weeks has really bothered me more and more is the shots that Jawan Parker is taking. Um, he's taking a lot of bad shots at the same time. He's not having great vision. He's a uh, driving and te- teams, you know, players are coming, you know coming down on him, and he's not kicking the ball out to the open guys. Yeah. You know, he has his spot on the court right there at the elbow or at the free throw line. He's got a he's got a really nice mid-range jumper. So if he gets to that spot on the elbow there or at the free throw line, he's pretty money from that spot. And those are good shots for him. But you're right. He's he, he's taken some very questionable shots. It's not just, just him. I've seen quite a few guys on the team like, well, dude, what do you – I mean, even Tyree Crum, who we've kind of extolled his virtues as a shooter, as a playmaker. But – as a freshman, he he takes some very questionable shots, but you don't expect it from a guy like Jawan Parker, right? Who's who's a fourth year senior, is one of the veterans on the team, who who's already I think he's graduating his master's degree, or maybe he's already graduated his master's degree. One of the two. Uh, yeah, we will have him for another year. I mean, if he decides to come back, I hope he. I mean, I hope. I mean, I hope he comes back, right? I mean, it it would be a, a lot a lot better for him. Well, if you're losing JJ, you, you need some veteran leadership on next year's team. And right now, I mean, I, I guess it could be Yante if he's coming back, but we need a guy in the backcourt as well. And I, well, I mean, Parker's not a sensational player at all by any means. I mean, he's a solid guy. Uh, Fox trusts him for whatever reason. And, you know, people always say, well, it's because it's of his defense. I'm like, what are you watching? I mean, that guy gets beat off the dribble more than anybody on the team. 
Like his feet, he has got such slow footwork. I mean, it is it's bad to watch. So I mean, I I, I do think he's a liability at times. But he's done he's done some good things for us. He he does a lot of the dirty work. He's kind of one of those glue type guys that you need on your team, but you can't count on him to be one of your primary scorers in a situation where you don't have Yante Maiden. Uh, but the, the foul trouble J.J. Frazier got in was clearly a, a pretty a pretty serious issue in that game, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when he gets what? He got, four, he got his fourth foul, like 15 minutes? 17 minutes, minutes I think. Yeah, no, or, yeah really early. But before the first TV timeout, I believe, in the second half. So he gets that that fourth foul there. And, like, wh- where do we turn with no Yante Maiden on the court? With no Yante, no J.J. gets in foul trouble. It's not really all that surprising to see us – kind of dig ourselves into a hole there. No, and see, the biggest thing, especially once J.J. went out, you look, we had a lot of empty possessions. We were just passing the ball around because we had no one to take charge. Yeah, I mean, Tyree Crump, you know, he wasn't bashful. He would take shots, but he wasn't, you know, he didn't have his best game. He didn't have his best shooting game. And this one, he had to he had to play 20 minutes, which is, I think, I could have this wrong, but I'm pretty sure that might have been his highest minute output of the entire season. And that was largely because J.J. got in foul trouble. But the problem was he wasn't ready to really be a 20-minute type guy and be a lead guard yet because Mark Fox had essentially ignored him for three-fourths of the season. If he'd been playing him all along, maybe he'd been ready to slide into that role. But although he can come in and knock down some shots and can give you some instant offense off the bench, he's not ready, is he, to be a lead guard? And I think he showed that on Saturday. No, because like you said, I mean, it's one of those that he had been doing it all year, but he hadn't, so he just – I mean, right. he, his growth is stunning. At this point, he should – but his growth has really been stunted, and this, you know, that goes back to both of our problems with Fox and his rotations. But you know, you see it come into play later in the year when someone like JJ and Yante are out. You don't have anyone to step up because they're not ready. Yeah, Krupp. I mean, I- I'm really high on him uh, long term. I think he's got great playmaking skill. But right now, he's struggling to, t- to decide between what's a good shot and what's a bad shot. Because in high school, for him, all shots were a good shot because he could just rise up everybody and knock anything down. He could dribble past anyone. But right now. He's struggling to figure out, okay, when, where do I assert myself? What's a good shot? What's not a good shot? Uh, Especially and, when he's one of those that gets pulled right away. Exactly. And so when he gets in, like he feels like, i got to make a play to stay on the court, and he kind of forces things. And like we said earlier, he hasn't played that much of the season. Fox has essentially just ignored him and shunned him most of the year. So he's never really gotten into the – be able to really get in the flow of the, of the game and the flow of the season so he can get practice, practice at determining what is and what isn't a good shot. So part of it's on him, yeah, but part of it, I think, also goes back to coaching, just not giving him the time he's needed throughout the season on the court. Now you can say it's because of defense, which I, I can see. I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit, the guy, he struggles defensively. But again, you play him, and he makes those mistakes and learns through those mistakes, and by this time of the year when we really need a guy to give us some scoring punch off the bench and also can play some competent defense, he's ready to do that. That's just not the case right now because he didn't get the time throughout the season. Uh, it's, it's a frustrating situation there. But I want to go back to what you're talking about with the defense, man. I, I, I crunched them. You were spot on that. I crunched numbers. This is something I noticed not just on Saturday, but, I mean, it was ridiculous on Saturday. At one point in the second half, they were shooting, like, almost 75% from the field in the second half. Like, absurd. But over the past three games, because I've noticed this trend over the past couple games since Yante's been out. Over the past three games, at home against LSU, at home against Auburn, and then on the road to Arkansas, we've given up a combined 49% shooting from the field. 49 percent over the last three games now come we, we're still in the top 50 overall field goal percentage on the season we're holding our opponents about 41 percent on the season shooting from the field which is solid which is very good but if you look at 49 percent of the past three games that would put us if we were doing that if we gave up that number for the season that would put us in the range about 350th nationally that's how bad the past but the past couple games have been defensively 
How do you possibly start to explain that? You know, I really, it's one of those that I really don't know what to say. I mean, it's... What's, I mean, what's the know, only thing that's been different? Like, no Yante. Is it really as simple as that? I think it's the fact that oh, he's still doing what he's always done to Obide, or Obide. And then when he does that, you're having possession. What do you mean by, by jerking him out when he makes a mistake here and there, or jerking him out exactly. early? Exactly, and you're going into a possessions. The one person that I see consistently getting beat game after game the last two or three weeks is Notorian Woolridge. He keeps playing, and he's getting absolutely lit up. It doesn't matter if it's to the basket or threes. I mean, they're going right over. Well, let's, well he's playing out of position. Right now what we're trying to do, we're, playing, we're trying to play Woolridge at the four. Instead well, of going with Edwards and uh, some going with Edwards and Obede at the four and five, we're going Obede at five, and we're going Woolridge at power four at the four position, which he's exactly. really – he was recruited to play the three as a small four, as a wing player. Well, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's one of those where he's out of position, and they're able to go right over him. And that's the, before you have Obide and Maiden down low at a, at a given time or what, or Edwards-Maiden uh, combo. But now you're having Obide or Edwards have to play your five, and the smaller guy go with the four. He's never putting them on the court together. Yeah, and they you're right, and they were killing us in the paint. Uh, I mean, yeah. Oh, scoring God, at will terrible. in the paint. I mean, they were just driving right by our guys because – you, you know, you move the big guy out of the way just a little, and you have an easy lane to the hoop. And that's all. I mean, Arkansas, yeah, they were shooting well, but they were getting to the hoop so easily. And that's something that I've noticed, not just the past three games. Really, I've noticed that most of the year. Number one, we can't stop dribble penetration. And I know the rules have been changed to a degree in basketball where it's very difficult to play defense these days because if you put your hand on on the on the guy with the ball, it's a foul. They're blowing the whistle. So it's it. I will say that's made it much more difficult to play defense. But we cannot stop anybody from getting to the rim. Like we're our guys are just getting driven by left and right. Dribble penetration has been a major problem for us. And when you have a guy like Derek Obede and Yante Baton there as enforces guys who can be intimidating and at least attempt to block shots, then that gives you an extra line of defense there. But when Maiton's out and you got Obede, who's really trying hard not to get in foul trouble. Because you watch, I don't want to say he's been hesitant down low playing defense, but he's clearly trying to stay out of foul trouble because he knows without Maiton, it's basically him and Edwards. And then I guess you can say Houston Kessler, but we all know what that means when he's in the game. You're basically playing four on five. So he's, I mean, are you noticing that where Bede's not not hesitant, but he he's a little gun shy going trying to block shots and defend the yeah, rim. He's not. A, he's not as much. I mean, he's still a force, but he's not. Like he's being said, careful. Not, he's playing careful yeah, there. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, so when the guys get in the lane at will with the dribble penetration against our guards, and then our center, our guy who's supposed to be our rim protector, our enforcer down there, is somewhat hesitant and careful to not to stay out to stay out of foul trouble because he knows our depth situation. Well, that's going to create a situation where we're just going to give up ridiculous numbers. I mean, LSU by far the worst team in the league. Score what eighty on us? By far the worst team in the league. And you got Auburn scoring at will on us with a bunch of freshmen. Auburn started four freshmen against us, guys. Four true freshmen they started against us. And they had a speed. I mean, they were up 16 points on us. So if it wasn't for JJ going absolutely bananas out there, we would have lost that game. So uh, the defense has been a major problem for us. And I don't know if that's going to change if, unless we get Yante back in the lineup. But, but it's hard for me to believe. Like, Yante, is he really that much of a defensive presence for us? No, it's just the fact of going bigger. Yeah, it changes. It just changes the complexion of the team, and you got to slide a guy like Wilrich, who's really a, a wing player. You got to slide him into the power four position. That it really does. You're right. It changes the entire complexion of the game there. And that means you've got to play uh, Parker more at the three position, which he's he can't really defend wings. He's not big enough, tall enough, long enough. I mean, he's just 
it just puts us in a bad spot. But that's very uncharacteristic of Mark Fox's teams. Like, I know people criticize the offense and the substitution patterns, which I think justifiably so. But a hallmark of the Mark Fox era has been playing really hard and playing really good defense. And I think we're still playing hard, but the defense, man, it's gone out the window the past couple games. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, they shot 55, Arkansas shot 55% from the field over the course of that game. And like I said, at points second half, it was over 70% in that half. So that's just not going to get it done. Uh, another thing I've noticed too uh, that's really been bothers, and, and we did we rebounded, we hit the offensive glass fairly well against Arkansas. But still, if you go back and look all the way back to the Kentucky game where Yante got hurt, uh, what two minutes in the game, right? Something like that. Yeah. Two minutes in the game. If you go back all the way to that point over what that's the course of the last five games now, including that game, we are minus thirty four overall on the boards. Offense and defensive rebounds combined. Minus 34 overall rebound the basketball against our opponents. And then, we're, then on top of that, we're minus 23 when it comes to offensive rebounds versus our opponents. You're not going to win basketball games like that, man. No. You're not. I mean, when you're giving up 49% from the field over the last three games, over the last five games, you're getting out-rebounded by 34 rebounds versus your opponents and giving up 23 more offensive rebounds to your opponents than you're getting, you're not going to win basketball games. And, like, I'm stunned, really, that we that we went on that sh- that stretcher. We beat Alabama, beat Ole Miss. Or not, I'm sorry, beat um, not Ole Miss, uh, LSU, and beat Auburn. There. Like, it's a miracle we won those games. It really, if you look back at it, we had no business winning those games outside of J.J. Frazier just putting on his cape and becoming Superman. Like, without him, we would have gotten blown out in all those games if you look at those numbers. So to me, Saturday wasn't all that surprising, was it? No, not at all. I mean, really, like, really, if, you, if we we barely sneak by LSU on a questionable call down the stretch where JJ gets fouled and on a drive late in the game and knocks the free throws down, we win the game there. We barely beat Auburn by one point. Who's who's down there the, the the lower part of the conference as well? It's not all that surprising when you're struggling to win those games against the dregs of the conference that you're going to get blown out on the road against one of the top four teams in the conference. So. You know, without J.J. going crazy, I mean, he still played okay. He racked up 24 points, but 13 of those came from the line. I think it was 5-15 overall in the game. He just he didn't have it. Uh, he still fought. He still fought and did his best. I'm, I'm not going to fault J.J. I mean, he guy's been an absolute warrior for us. But when he's not super J.J., we got no chance right now without Yontay. We, re- we, we have no chance against the better teams in the conference, and we barely have a chance against the teams that we should be destroying. Okay, so enough about Saturday. We've... Hash that to death. So now let's move on to the tournament here. We finished the regular season 18-13 and 13 overall and 9-9 nine and nine overall in the conference. Yes, yeah, I know it's been said ad nauseum. There were a series of very close losses that we blew late at Florida, at Kentucky, South Carolina uh, on the road, the Texas A&M game, of course, the Kentucky game at home. But close or not, the fact remains, like, those are losses nonetheless. Like, I don't, I don't buy into moral victories, do you? No, not at all. Not when you're paid to win. Yeah, there's nothing. Like, it's about winning the game, man. Like, it's old Vince Lombardi, one of my favorite quotes of all time. It kind of kept me going since I was a kid. Winning isn't everything, guys. It is the only thing. That is why you play the game. You're out there to win. So, you can't, I mean, this whole, well, we almost won. Screw that, man. Yeah, we, we, we almost beat Florida. We almost beat Kentucky. And you know what? Just like the past couple of years, and it's like typical under Mark Fox, we're going to be saying at the end of the year, we almost made the NCAA tournament. And I'm tired of almost. This has got to get better. But anyway, so those are losses nonetheless. So now we're in a position where really our only hope for sneaking into the NCAA tournament is to make some sort of serious crazy run in the SEC tournament this weekend in Nashville. 
So, Kurt, I'm going to put this to you. How many wins is it going to take in Nashville for us to put ourselves in position to possibly earn, I mean, I'm talking even just possibly, earn an at-large berth to the NCAA tournament? How many wins are we going to have to get in Nashville? I think you're going to have to get to uh, probably get to the semifinals because you have to get with that upset of Kentucky. Is that enough? Like just beating, like so, beating Tennessee in round in, like, in the quarter. Oh, not the quarterfinals. In our, I guess our, the second round, but our first game because we get a bye in the first round. So beating Tennessee and then beating Kentucky in the quarters. You think that's enough to do it? I think it's enough to get us on the topic uh, closer. Back to in the conversation. Because, yeah, because Kentucky is looked at as solid too right now. Yeah, another one seed in the tournament. I'm gonna have to go a step further, man. I think we at least have to get to the championship game, like to even be in the conversation. Because right now we have one top fifty win. And that's Vanderbilt, who's barely in the top 50. And if they lose to Texas A&M on Thursday, they're not going to be in the top 50 anymore. I mean, right now, we have one top 50 win. Beating Kentucky, yeah, that'd be great. That gives us two top 50 wins. If you look at the rest of the bubble, the bubble, yes, it's not as great as it normally is. It's down this year. But look at look at a team like Vanderbilt. They got like five top 50 wins. In fact, let me pull this up. Vanderbilt, like... Right now, yeah, over they swept Florida. Yeah, they swept Florida. They're the weird thing about Vanderbilt is like their overall record is terrible. They're seventeen and fourteen. There's there's been no team in NCAA history that's gotten into the NCAA tournament as an at large team with fifteen losses. It's never been done before. It doesn't mean Vanderbilt can't be the first team to do it. Unless and unless they win the SEC tournament, they're going to have fifteen losses. But it depends on what the the committee is looking at, and it, it, the committee is different every year, and, they, and their criteria seems to differ from team to team, year to year. But even though they're 17 and 14, I'm counting right now, they got five top 50 wins, two top 25 wins. And they've got, let's see, eight, 10 top 100 wins. So, I mean, they, they just have the good. That's what's the biggest glaring point on our record right now is we just don't have those top 50 wins. Like, we don't have the big wins. We don't have a ter- like, outside of maybe, maybe Oakland, who's not a terrible team. I think they won the, they lost in the Horizon tournament, but they won the regular season. Um, but, we don't really have a ton of bad losses. We just don't have any big wins. We have chances. We just don't have them. So for me, I think we have to beat Kentucky, and I think we also need to beat South Carolina in the semifinals to even like be in the conversation. And I don't even then. I don't know if that's enough. Do you think that would put us in if we got all the way to the championship game? Uh, it'd be it'd be interesting at that point. Yeah, it's hard to say because it depends on what happens in the other conference tournaments and who wins what, who loses to who. But I think we at least have a fighting chance, and especially if Yonti comes back. Because right now what the tournament does, when you're injured like this going to the tournament, they judge you on what you've done without the best player, without that guy on your team. And we did fairly well at the close of the regular season without him, but get, look at who that was against. So if we can show in the tournament, in the SEC tournament, that we can win big-time games without him, that might bode well for us. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's going to be interesting to see what the tournament thinks. I didn't know if Syracuse would get in last year. They got in and went to the Final Four. Now I'm not certainly not trying to equate us to Syracuse. You just don't. What I'm saying is you just don't know what the what the tournament committee is thinking. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think at least the semifinals. And so I guess now let's talk about our the draw though in the SEC tournament just for a few minutes here where we landed. So coming to Saturday, we were in a position where we could have been seated anywhere from sixth to eighth, depending on how the slate of weekend games went. We were at Arkansas. Vandy was hosting Florida, and Ole Miss was hosting South Carolina. Even if we would have lost, which obviously we did. We still could have finished with a sixth seed thanks to tiebreakers over both Vandy and Ole Miss if both those teams would have lost over the weekend. And seeing how Vandy and Ole Miss were both hosting Florida and South Carolina respectively, two of the top four teams in the league, I was looking at the sixth seed as, as 
probably our likely landing spot. Were you seeing it that way coming into the weekend? I was hoping. I was, yeah, I mean, I was hoping for that because you know we need any help we can get there. But of course, the Commodores and the Rebels they uh, had to do their thing. They both pulled the upset, leaving us with the eight seed and a match up with Tennessee. So, looking at the draw, Kurt, how much did losing that six seed hurt our chances to play our way into the NCAA tournament next weekend in Nashville? Oh, I think it's tough because Tennessee's a very tough matchup, and then. Tennessee is way more talented than us. Like I'm just, yeah, gonna, I'm a, I know they're 16 and 15 or whatever. But if you if you look at both teams and watch them play, man, that team is way more talented, especially without Yonsei Maiden. Yeah, exactly. And then go going off that, then if you do beat them, you have a matchup with Kentucky, the best team in the SEC. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where like. You know, we're if we're gonna get to the tournament, we, we're gonna have to beat some good teams anyway. So maybe against, I, I I could see an argument where somebody said, "Well, the seed doesn't really matter that much," but I would argue yes, it does because it's a really good chance we might have to win this whole thing to get in the tournament. And if you're at the six seed spot, that means in the second round, in your, in your first game, you're gonna play the winner of Auburn and Missouri, both teams that we sh- should be able to beat. We swept Auburn. Missouri gave us a good run for it, but they're seven and twenty-three overall. They just fired their coach. So I think we'd have a good chance to win that second round game, which would then put us in the quarterfinals against Arkansas. I like our chances over Arkansas better than South Carolina, Kentucky, right? Yeah. And then if you if you happen to summon that would it'd still be an upset for us to beat Arkansas, but if we happen to beat them in the quarters, well, that delays us having to play a Florida or Kentucky or a South Carolina because who knows? Maybe they might get knocked off by Tennessee or an Alabama who gets hot in one of those games. So if you get all the way to the semis without having to play Kentucky and Florida, then maybe you don't have to play them at all. Maybe Vanderbilt knocks off Florida again for the third time this season. Maybe we're playing Vanderbilt in the semifinals if we win that first game and then beat Arkansas. And then who knows what happens if you make it to the championship game. So it definitely would have been an easier path, no doubt, if we would have been the sixth spot. But I'm going to throw I'm gonna throw something at you, and I want to see what you think about this. So hear me out. Hear me out on this one. So obviously I won the sixth seed, like I just said. No doubt I won the sixth seed. Clearly won that spot. But after Vanderbilt beat Florida earlier in the day on Saturday, that meant our best case finish would have been the seventh seed. Okay, follow me. The best case we could have gotten was the seventh seed after Vanderbilt beats Florida. So what it meant, whether we end up in the seven or eight seed at that point, it just came down to the Ole Miss South Carolina game that was airing at eight thirty Saturday night. Now, if Ole Miss would have lost, we would have slid in the seventh spot, and then they would have fallen to eight. So looking at how the bracket was set up, with Florida locked in the two seed and Kentucky as the number one. I kind of was engaging in some backward logic here. I was actually rooting for Ole Miss to beat South Carolina so that we would fall to that eight line. And, and no, no, it was not like out of any desire for like self-immolation or anything like that. Rather, I just, I liked the potential path from the eight line more than I did the path from the seven line. Because if, if we would have finished as, a, as the number seven seed, if we were lucky enough to win our first game, which right now without Maiden, who knows? We would have had Florida waiting in the quarterfinals on Friday. And I just happen to think Florida is the best team in the league. I know they just lost to Kentucky a week or so ago, but they should have won that game, should have swept Kentucky. To me, the path, it, it isn't much easier as an eight seed, because if we get by Tennessee on Thursday, we should have to play Kentucky in the quarterfinals on Friday. But right now, I just think Florida is the more complete team and, and it's the tougher matchup for us. So I was actually rooting for Ole Miss to pull out the upset on Saturday night. I was kind of glad they did and glad we landed up in the eighth spot instead of the seventh spot. So... I guess, Kurt, I was just curious. Do you agree with that line of thinking, or would you rather have had a potential quarterfinal matchup with Florida instead of Kentucky? Probably would have rather had it with Florida because they're a different team with uh, Igbunu now. But is he that big of a deal? I mean, he's he's a solid 
enforcer guy for him in the middle. You watch how much he killed us down low just rebounding and changing shots. In the second game, he did, no doubt. You and I set, what, six or seven rows up in that game, and yeah, he was destroying us. But in the first game, he wasn't much of a factor. I don't know. Without without Maiden, that's a that's a, you're right. I mean that's that's a that's a tough matchup. But I don't know, man. I, you you would really rather have Florida than over, Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I think Florida. You don't think I think Florida's better than Kentucky? Uh, it depends who shows up. But at the same time, dude, Florida had yeah. them beat twice. I know. You know, we don't. We just said no moral victories. But they they destroy Kentucky at home, and they without Malik Monk going absolutely crazy, Florida would have beaten them at Rupp too. They have more scoring options, man. Like, Kentucky is Malik Monk shooting a jump shot, and maybe Darren Fox does something. Maybe he's healthy. Maybe he's not. I mean, I I don't know. I think Florida's got way more depth. They've got more shooters. they got more versatility to their game. They play better defense. I mean, Kentucky plays no defense. Yeah, it's just the fact that we've played Kentucky close twice that you know I doubt it would happen the third time. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that, but didn't I mean last year we beat South Carolina three times? Yeah, but there's a difference in South Carolina. True, but that was a good. I mean, they didn't make the tournament. They were a solid team throughout the regular season, though. But uh, yes, I agree. I mean, Kentucky's a different animal, no doubt about it. I don't know, just just something I was. I mean, for me, I I honestly I think we match up better with Kentucky, and I think we have a better shot to beat them, especially if Fox. I know he's been playing the past couple games. I still don't know if he's 100 percent healthy where he needs to be. I mean, look, it's very unlikely we win either of those games, right? I mean. Yeah, Kentucky, Florida. It'll be. It will take a miracle for us to beat either of those teams in, in a neutral setting like this. I mean, it could happen. It totally could. But like, JJ is gonna have to be super JJ. It, might, it would really help if Yonsei could somehow miraculously come back. I don't know if that's gonna happen. Fox today said it was a fifty-fifty in the air right now. And even if he does come back, I don't expect him to be his normal dominant self. I don't know. It's either way. It's it's quite the uphill battle for us going into the SEC tournament. So I don't know. All right, Kurt, to wrap the show up, rather than asking you point-blank to tell me whether you think we can pull off the unthinkable and make the improbable run to a, an SEC tournament championship, because, I mean, that answer is fairly predictable, right? We're, yeah. We're, we're, that's basically a no. It's not going to happen. So I'm going to do a little bit different. I want you to finish this sentence for me. You ready? For us to pull off the highly improbable miracle and win the SEC tournament... And finish the sentence for me. We need the other teams to not show up. <laughs> that simple, huh? That simple. They all need to catch the flu or something. And can we expect that to happen for four straight games over the course not of three days? Not with the of Georgia and the state of Georgia's luck. Yeah, it's just not going to happen for us, man. Yeah, you're exactly right. We, I, I don't know if I buy into curses and whatnot, but it, it seems to be something in the water here. But yeah, I mean, look, maybe it could happen one game. Like maybe... We can we can find a way to beat Tennessee. We did beat Tennessee on the road. I said they were more talented than us. I do think they're more talented than us. We did beat them on the road though, so maybe we can find a way to win that game somehow. JJ puts up some big numbers, and the supporting cast kind of does their thing and helps out a little bit. Maybe we can upset Kentucky, but to expect that to happen to repeat itself against South Carolina the next day and then potentially against Florida in the championship game, I I just don't know what plan that's going to happen. Yeah, I know in two thousand eight the. the we had a miracle, but we still, I don't know if we were facing Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, back to back to back like that. I just, I don't know. So, yeah. Well, Kentucky wasn't what Kentucky is now, either. No, back then, absolutely not. They were. It was, it was, it was a different SEC. Kentucky was still on the way back up. I mean, they were, yeah. I mean, 
they you're right, definitely not the Kentucky they are now. Florida was still good. Arkansas was good actually back then. But uh, yeah, it's it's gonna take something special for us to do it. I, it's look, guys, it's highly highly improbable this happens. But as of right now, I really think unfortunately, and I hate saying this because it didn't have to be this way. If we just done a few things differently, we we could have easily been in a position where right now we were talking about seeding in the tournament, not whether we're gonna find some miraculous way to to get into the tournament. But barring some miracle, it looks like we're not going to be in the tournament. And that miracle being having to win the entire thing. And I just, I don't know if that's something that we can expect to happen. Actually, there's no way we can expect that to happen. If it happened, fantastic. But you can't sit here and expect that to happen. All right, guys. So that is it for the show today. We really appreciate you guys listening, as we always do. Again, you can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. And please, uh, just a quick reminder, go check us out on iTunes, the podcast page. Uh, search for Glory UGA. And subscribe to the show. It'll take all the new episodes straight to your podcast feed. You can find it much easier there. And make sure to be checking back to iTunes on Friday where you'll find the iTunes exclusive show. We're also working on getting it up on Stitcher and a couple other of those podcasting networks out there. Tune in. So those of you who don't have an iPhone and don't use Apple for all, a lot of your technological life, we will uh, try to situation where you guys can also access those exclusive shows as well so for Curtis I'm Tyler thanks again guys as always for listening we really do appreciate it go dogs. <laughs>